Dear Heavenly Father, as always, I just thank you for giving this opportunity to meet together, Lord, for giving this opportunity to study your word and to just better know your heart, Lord, and the love that you have for us. I just ask that you quicken my mind, Lord, and my tongue, and that I may speak your wisdom, Lord, and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, as y'all know, we are in the book of Zechariah, and specifically, I'm going to be covering chapters 7 and 8 tonight. Uh, so, uh, I think all of us have done this, except for Russell, who was the first one to teach. Uh, I'm going to do like a little recap. It's not going to be very long, uh, but as we all know, uh, we're in the book of Zechariah, which is which begins uh, about 70, uh, after a 70-year exile, right? So, a 70-year exile of, uh, of the Jewish people, and they are in the process of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, however, uh, they've hit a little bit of a snag, <laughs> so uh, they laid down the foundation, and then and then they kind of just stopped, and they kind of like dispersed, and they built their own houses. Uh, so Zechariah uh, serves as a prophet of encouragement in order to uh, kind of get them going again. Uh, so I do want to do a little brief overview of the different visions, and the first one I want to start uh, and, and my overview is going to be like super short. It might just be like a few words, <laughs> but we all, we all know. So the first three were covered by Russell, and the first one is a vision of a horseman. And these are kind of just like my personal takeaways of each vision. Uh, for, the, for this one, I, I put God is watching over us. And, uh, and then when, when I was studying it, it reminded me of Romans 8. Uh, 38 through 39. So Henry, I know I, that was one of the verses I told you. I don't know how quick you are up there. <laughs> but Romans 8, 38 to 39 reads, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's the vision of the horsemen, and they're all around the earth, right? So just God is watching over us. God is watching over you. The second vision, a vision of horns and craftsmen. And, is, and if you remember the craftsmen, they cast aside the horns, uh, which are the nations that scattered Israel. And for that, I, my takeaway is God is just. A vision of a man, the third vision, a vision of a man with a measuring line. And if you remember, it's a man with a measuring line, and it extends past the walls of Jerusalem. And there's even a vision or a, an image I can't, it's like seared into my mind, like the image of like a fiery dome of protection that God has around Israel. I think Russell did a good job describing that. Uh, for that, God seeks to prosper and protect. The fourth a vision of Joshua and the high priests. So we're in Henry's lesson now. <laughs> so uh, for that, and if, and if you remember, it's, uh, it's almost like a, a heavenly courtroom where we see, where we see, uh, where we see Joshua and, the, and Satan is accusing him. He's Sataning him, right? And, uh, <laughs> and, and for that, uh, my takeaway was God seeks to remove our inequities or our filthy garments and put on us pure vestments. The next, a vision of a golden lampstand. Uh, this one gets a little, it's, a little, uh, it, it's hard to picture, but essentially it's a golden lampstand and it has like, 
these olive trees on either side of it and they're auto feeding into the lampstand, right? And the olive oil is supposed to signify like the spirit of God. So for this, I put God provides his spirit, which can move mountains. And the big takeaway for, I think, I think the, I don't know, my personal favorite, uh, favorite verse from Henry's teaching, uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And that's uh, God encouraging Zerubbabel. Did I get that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in order to finish, you know, encouraging them to finish building the temple. Uh, the next, oh no, that, I think that's me. <laughs> that's it, time to go. No, just kidding. All right. <laughs> but you know, it's funny, that's actually my alarm to start getting ready for bed. Just so you know, we're talking about sacrifices, right? So. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Next, a vision of the flying scroll. So we're getting into into Marty's teaching. So for that, I put God will judge wickedness. And then hand in hand with that is a vision of a woman in a basket. And the woman's supposed to signify wickedness and she kind of like gets carried away. So uh, God will remove wickedness from the land. And then finally, uh, the last vision is a vision of four chariots. And uh, I really, I had something written. Uh, I had like, uh, what I had written was, God is powerful and fighting battles all over earth, which, which actually goes along with one of Autumn's uh, songs that, or where, where it talks about God's already, you know, he's already fighting the battle. We didn't even know we were aware of it, right? Like before we even got there. Uh, but I really like something that Marty said, because uh, I was listening, listening to, to it again earlier today. Uh, he said that for, for his, his big thing for that was, first, don't be anxious. So he actually said that during his thing. And that's my thing right, that I deal with, the anxiety. So I like that. And, it's, and he said, God has a plan. So uh, God has a plan, so don't be anxious. So the bottom line in these first six chapters of Zechariah uh, is God is awesome, and he's there to encourage us. So Zechariah is a prophet of encouragement uh, to love us and to support us. And that brings us to Zechariah 7, which is where I will start today. So we'll start with verse 1. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, of the ninth month which is Chislev. So this is uh, about two years after the start of the book of Zechariah, since it gets really specific with the timeline right there. Uh, so it's, around five, it's about 518 B.C., so this is still before uh, the temple completion. And just because it stood out to me, Chislev, apparently that's a month. And it's like November, December-ish. <laughs> There's like a little overlap there. Uh, verse 2. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Regamelic and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord. Verse 3. Saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and prophets, should I weep and abstain in the fifth month? as I have done for so many years. So a little bit of background right here. We'll pause right here. So uh, what, what they're talking about is a fast that they do in the fifth month, which I don't have the name of, right? But <laughs> in, the, in the fifth month, and they've been doing it for the past 70 years. And this fast was based on uh, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. So what they're saying, what they're asking is a very human question. It's like, well, we've fasted and we've, uh, we've mourned over the destruction of, of the temple for the past 70 years during this month, but now we have the land back 
and we're building the temple. You know, we're, you know, I'm not sure how far off it is from completion, but we're building the temple. So uh, does it really make sense for us to continue to fast in this way, uh, to fast for, for this reason, right? Uh, so this is a very natural question. And thinking about it as like a human, I'd be like, hey, that's an excellent question. It's like, you're probably good to go, right? No, I don't know. <laughs> but let's see, let's see, let's, let's see what it was. Uh, okay, and then I really, let, let, let's go to verse four. It says, then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. So from a human perspective, like, like, like wow, that, that's a good question, right? Uh, but God, but let's see what God says. So, so God, he ends up being, and we're going to see right now, and I think we got it up verse 5, I'll read it right now. But God ends up being not so much concerned about them fasting uh, for the, the destruction of the temple, but really he's concerned about the why. Like, why are they actually fasting? So God says, Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do, not, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? So, uh, and, and then a little side note, the seventh month was uh, commemorating the assassination of Gedaliah, who was the governor of Judah, uh, he was actually only a governor for maybe like a couple, if you notice, it goes fast fifth month and seventh month. Uh, so based on what I looked up, he was only the governor for like, he was less, less than two months. Uh, he was assassinated. And he was, a, he was apparently a good guy. So, uh, so, so that, that's, one of their, well, that's one of their reasons for fasting. And we'll see a few a little bit further down the line. But the question there is, was the fasting for God or for yourselves? And then we're going to be focused on fasting here, but I want you to think about is what you do in your everyday life, is it for God or is it for yourself? Now let's talk, now I want to jump to Isaiah 58 uh, verses 3 through 8. Henry's got the quick fingers. So I'll start with verse 3. So it says, why have we fasted and you see it not? So this is, this is uh, people speaking to God, right? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, and, the, and then now, now, uh, now, now this is God. Uh, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with the wicked fists. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. It's such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to, to humble them, himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? So that's a little bit of a showmanship right there. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? So, so, this, is, uh, so this is essentially saying like, hey, you're not, what you're doing, yes, you're like checking off this box, you're doing this ritual of fasting, but it's... You're wasting your time, right? So, and then he goes on to describe what is the, the, what is the proper fast. So, is it, is it not this fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring homeless and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? and to not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, 
and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of God shall be your rear guard. So again, true fasting is not a ritualistic check in the box. It should lead to growth in our relationship with and to obedience to God, which leads to growth in our ability to love others. You, you saw it, it talked about abolishing oppression, giving food to the hungry, providing shelter to the poor, clothing the naked, clothing the naked, which leads, which then will lead to blessings from God. So we're going to jump back to Zechariah. We're in verse 7. So it says, Were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with her cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? So what pretty much God is saying or what Zechariah is saying is, uh, y'all have heard this before, right? <laughs> we kind of just, just referenced it. So uh, and, and their forefathers definitely heard it, right? But they didn't listen, and that's what led to the seven years of exile. So moving on to verse 8 and 9, And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgment, show kindness and mercy to another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. So that is the test of true repentance, true kindness, justice, mercy, uh, for, for any, anybody that's oppressed especially, right? Uh, verse 11, but they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they may not hear. So talking about their forefathers. Verse 12, they made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law of the words and that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. So by the way, uh, hearts as, as hard as diamond, right? So I looked it up. Diamond, that's pretty hard. I heard someone say it. <laughs> diamond is the hardest naturally occurring substance on earth. And consequently, it's also the hardest substance in the game of Minecraft. So... <laughs> I wanted to make sure, so I think I'm two for two on video game reference. So once you get that diamond pickaxe, you're looking pretty good. And again, yeah, see, Mario agrees. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> um, naturally occurring, right? Naturally occurring substance. All right. <laughs> Verse 13. Uh, As I called and they would not hear, so they called and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. 14, and I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they, had not, that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. So fittingly, the people of Israel were scattered, right? And the call was to help those people that were in need, right? Like that relationship with God, that obedience with God is supposed to spring that love within us to help those people. They didn't. And guess what? They got scattered and now they're the people in need. So the bottom line, so that's the end of chapter seven. The bottom line that I have for that is God is telling the people of Israel through Zechariah, God doesn't want ritual. God wants relationship and repentance, the fruits of which should be love, justice, kindness, mercy, 
as a daily practice in our lives. All right, so that carries us into, oh, and actually this goes along with like the title of my message. So their forefathers, they obviously didn't listen, which resulted in exile. So now Zechariah is calling on the people of Israel to apply those lessons learned, right, through that hardship, through that exile. He's calling on us to apply lessons learned in our lives, right? Maybe we, maybe we didn't get, well, I don't, I don't think we got put into exile, but <laughs> some of us, I don't know, but he's calling on us to apply those lessons learned through hardships in our lives and, and, and just repent, right? Grow in relationship with him. So that brings us to chapter eight. So chapter eight, this is the coming peace and prosperity of Zion. So starting with verse one, and the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. So whenever I first read that, I was like, that does not sound good. <laughs> but then I was thinking, I was thinking about it, and, and then I know that this also came up in chapter one. And I'm like, well, really, what God's saying is that He like desires our attention, right? He's like, He's like yearning for a relationship with us, right? So I'm like, actually, this is pretty cool. And then I was thinking, you know what? This kind of like reminds me of a song now. <laughs> now, that I, now that there's like a positive twist on it in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. So, and then I, I was thinking about the song, like How He Loves uh, by David Crowder Band. So, you know, it goes, he is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. Yeah, y'all know it. Yeah, okay, good. So when you're thinking about the jealousy, that's what I want you to think of for now on. <laughs> I, Steve, Steve liked my singing, I saw it. <laughs> so verse three, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand and because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. So as you can see, we've kind of like turned the page to, hey, make sure in chapter seven, it was like, hey, make sure you don't repeat these past mistakes, right? Learn those lessons. But now it's something to look forward to, right? So this is like a picture of things to come. Uh, some might say it's Jerusalem's role in the book of Revelation. So, yeah. <laughs> so vastly different than current and past circumstances. So currently they're in a place where it's like, ah, oh, we gotta we gotta do all this thing. We have to, we we just came, like like Henry was saying, we had good living in Babylon, and now we're here in Israel, and I have to build my house. I was I was a, I was already owning over there, or maybe renting an apartment. I don't know, but I got now I got to build my house. I got to build the temple. I got to do all these things. So they're feeling probably a little bit like down and out. Why? Which is why Zechariah is doing what he's doing. But they're kind of in an oppressed state. But now God's saying, like, wait a minute, you doing this is going to lead to all of these all of these great things, right? So the picture of things that come like like men and women actually growing growing old, right? And living to a great age. And it doesn't describe exactly what that age is, but it's saying like, so you have to think what conditions are necessary for people to live to a great age. Like 
it's surely not like a person that's 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 enslaved, right, or malnutritioned or starving, right? There's there's boys and girls like playing in the streets, right? So these are like happy times. These are things to look forward to. Verse six. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? So that's a question. And it's pretty much God saying like, it's going to happen. And it's not a surprise for me, right? It ain't no thing. (laughs) Like I had this plan like way ahead. Uh, It might be a surprise for you. It might be a surprise for them at that time. But for me, it's 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 not a surprise. It's part of God's plan. Verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. And if you think back to Marty's teaching, and others might have touched on this too, but whenever God is referencing, re- referencing north to south, or in the Jewish language, right, when we're referencing north to south or east to west, that means everybody. That means like the whole earth, the whole world, right? So I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. So that includes you. So that includes all of us, right? So amen to that. I love that one. Verse eight, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. So in these times, it's almost like Jerusalem becomes the center of the world. Uh, and the bottom line, and we're kind of going to make a transition as we go into verse line here, but I do have a, an, like a bottom line for verses one through eight. And it's that God has big plans. He's planning. So, so all these things that we just heard, these are all like really great things, right? So he's planning a big feast and all of you are invited. And it all starts with what you have to do today. For the people of Israel, that was finish building the temple at that time, right? For you, I don't know. Is it joining the mission trip to Thailand? Mission trip drop (laughs) right there. Or serving in any one of the ministries that we might have, right? So whatever it is for you, again, it starts today. God has big, big plans and it all starts with what we get done today. So I want you to be encouraged and to look forward to these times, right? All right, let's go to verse 9. So now we're taking a turn. Now he's talking specifically. So that was a little bit of a of look ahead, some prophecy. Now he's talking specifically to the people of Israel at that time. Thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. You who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. So he's talking to the people that have been there since they probably even helped lay the foundation, but that foundation has been sitting there, right? So they're being encouraged to finish building the temple. So verse 10, For before those days there was no wage for man or any wage for beasts. Neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. For I set every man against his neighbor. So that was then. But now I will not deal with, I will not deal with the remnant of this people As in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. For there shall be sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit, and the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. 
And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be their blessing. Fear not, but yet let your hands be strong. So this kind of goes back to uh, a comment that Russell made uh, from chapter one. We're talking about the, pe- the, the people of Israel and it says, and as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations. So that kind of hits a little bit different today, right? But it says, be encouraged because that may be so today, but you shall be a blessing. And then we'll, we'll cover that a little bit more as the chapter ends. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purpose to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. So again, he was provoked to, the Lord was provoked to wrath, uh, cast the Israelites to exile. So again, have I purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. So what he's saying is, hey, just as sure as I exiled them, I'm going to bring good to you. So don't worry about it. I got you. So the Lord is committing to blessing this new generation. And, and the hope is that that would have a twofold impact. So first, be free, that like people of Israel should be free from fear and they should be motivated to live in obedience. Verse 16, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, there's a lot of fasts, and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. So we're going from fast to feast. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. So we're going from a, sor- from a season of sorrow to a season of joy, gladness, and cheer. So in this verse, I want to encourage us that God wants us to do that in our own lives. He wants us to take whatever pain, heartbreak, disappointment, shame, regret, anxiety that we have and turn it into something beautiful something powerful, something life-changing that we are able to celebrate with joy and gladness. Verse 20, Thus says the Lord of hosts, People shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. So we kind of take a turn back to prophecy. And I think think Marty, uh, he made a comment where it was, uh, when he's talking about the whole world, it's kind of prophetic. And when he's talking about just like locally, the people of Israel, then it's like at that time. But verse 21 says, uh, The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. So again, many, many, many peoples and strong nations, that includes us. Verse 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from the nations of every every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. 
Now, I really, I, I love this because whenever I, that last one, I'm actually going to read it one more time. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. When I originally read it, I'm thinking, because it, it took a turn to like prophetic. So I'm thinking that's like the thousand year reign of Christ, right? Where people flock to Jerusalem. So that's when I, that's what I was thinking, right? Yeah, Henry, he's, okay, so there you go. But then I was like thinking about it and I'm like, take hold of the robe of a Jew. And then it kind of reminded me of the bleeding woman who touched the garments of Jesus in Luke 8 and was healed. And then I was thinking about it more because I was like, and this is why I love the Bible because there's always so many levels. And then it's like in this one verse, there's actually the image. Oh, excuse me. Uh, oh, did I, did I not put it here? Oh, yeah. Then finally, I thought, I thought further on it and I came to realize, aren't we all taking hold of the robe of a Jew for our salvation? Aren't we all taking hold of Jesus' robe for our salvation? And it's just like, man, that's beautiful, right? All in that one verse. And there's probably more stuff that I don't even know, that I don't even know, but it's in there. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. So uh, that concludes chapter 8. And as we move on to the rest of the books in Zechariah, chapter 9 and beyond, we turn towards some truly amazing messianic prophecies. But sadly... That, that's the end of my message for today. So you got you to wait until next week. That was like a little plug for next week, right? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to pray us out. And then while I'm doing that, you can put the question up. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that we get to spend together, Lord. I just thank you for your message, Lord. And I ask and I just pray that our minds and our hearts just be fertile ground to receive it, Lord. I thank you that, that you just give us the ability to like look back and, and not repeat the mistakes of our fathers, even though that may be tough to do in some cases. But we have the ability to do that, Lord. We have the ability to read this book, Lord, and look back and look at past mistakes and, and just grow in relationship with you, Lord, and then grow in obedience with you, Lord, so that we may not repeat those, Lord. And I thank you for giving us this encouragement, and I thank you for giving us something to look forward to, Lord. I just pray that we wake up every morning with that in mind, Lord, with that, with that scene of, of a beautiful kingdom, Lord, with boys and girls playing in the streets, Lord, and people are healthy, there are no oppressed, almost like heaven on earth, Lord, and we just look forward to that day. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, I got, so I'm hooking y'all up because I only got one question. <laughs> now, it's not, <laughs> now, but it's not that easy of a question. It's please share your number one lesson learned so from fast to feast, right? So you can talk about the struggles and you can talk about all the way to the rewards as a Christian. So in your Christian walk. So I'll say it one more time. Please share your number one lesson learned from fast to feast as a Christian. And for those of you online, I just thank you for your time. What do I say? Signing off? I don't know. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>